to Truck it, man. It is finally arrived. Oh, yeah. It is finally arrived. It is What the Truck Wednesday. I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. It's a beautiful, beautiful winter day here in uh, Freight Alley, Dooner. And Wednesdays, brother, the public asked for it. We're <laughs> you just know what? Servant, so hey, we got to deliver, my friend, right? And that's one of the reasons that we we did this is because, you know, not only have we had a lot of guests, you know, there are a lot of guests who are like, hey, we want to come on What the Truck. We want we want to talk to you guys. We just sort of ran out of inventory to put people on the show. We had a lot of fans, too. We're like, <laughs> Hey, we want to hear more from That's you guys. Excellent. So we're expanding it out. Let us know how you like it. Let us know what we're doing here. We've got an amazing show in store for you. We want to make these Wednesdays super important. We want to forge that memory in your mind that we're going to be on Wednesday. So today we have Steve Case. He's the chairman and CEO of Revolution LLC. We're going to talk to him about uh, being the godfather, the godfather, grandfather, I should say, of social media, right? He is the former chairman and CEO of AOL. If you're a 90s kid, you remember all those discs you used to see at the drugstore, at the countertop. Maybe you hung them on your wall. Maybe you made a mural. And you know what? We're at a big inflection point in social media. Great time to talk to him, as well as we're going to talk about the democratization of venture capital, especially in freight, as people are moving away from Palo Alto, Michael Vincent. Yes, they definitely are. So, yeah, very interesting show today. It's Steve Case. I can't wait to. You've got mail. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, bro. Thomas Healy from Hylion. He'll be with us, too. We'll be, they just got a new CFO over there. They just sold some warrants. So they got some cash in pocket. We'll see what's in store for uh, the, the EVs over there for Hylion. We got Mark Weiss. He's Deep Space Logistics from NASA. Super excited. Oh, to have him on, we haven't talked to him since uh, Spaceways, but we'll have him back here. Actually, both those guys, we had phenomenal Q&As with at Freightways virtual events last year, both Thomas and Mark, super memorable occasions. Yeah, it's going to be really good. I can't wait to hear uh, uh, an update from Thomas. And and I've got some things, some questions for for uh, for Weiss, for for Mark there. I, I, you know, some of their explanations on these photographs, I'm not buying, my friend. Oh, yeah. No, I know. There's like, uh, they just, for the rover was up in Mars, right? And they brought a lot of the... Yeah. Uh, they brought a lot of that stuff back, and I'm seeing you guys joining us in social right now, so I am going to share this out while we let you guys fill up the room a little bit. And we're also going to have an update from our proud president, George Abernathy, who will set the table for us on what's in store for Freightways. But, Michael, before we get there, let's tip the band. Thank you to our sponsor, it's Zembles. You want to crush your numbers? So stop random prospecting. Zembles can tell you who is spending on shipping, right? Good idea. And get your leads instantly, taking your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate. Man, if you're batting 500 in baseball, you're doing amazing. And if you're doing that in sales, yeah. you're, you're the guy pulling the Porsche into space number one. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it, man. Go to star.zembles.com uh, forward slash free trial immediately after the show. Sign and up for a demo. And, uh, oh, your Jake McLeod says, great hat. I'm not sure which one he's referring to. Maybe the one of yours that looks like it was attacked by a Michigan Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Or badger of some sort. I think a Wolverine is a bad, I don't know, a weasel or something, I think it is. Yeah, and hey, John Piper. Yeah. Hey, Kathleen Perry. Uh, Daniel Beguini. Julie Johnson. Thank you all for joining us on this very first Wednesday episode of What the Truck. If uh, you want to give back to the show, just share out with friends. It's free. Tell them to come on board. We're going to have uh, some great Topics in, but here's an exciting one I saw. Let's get to the headlines. Let's do it. All right, what do we got going on? XBO, 
XBL Logistics has piloted an LTL VR training program. This is from their press release. It says XBL Logistics, a leading global provider of transportation logistics services, last week announced a successful pilot of its virtual reality training LTL program in North America. The solution, it does this, it integrates XBO software with the Oculus for business headsets. That's like that Ocu- Oculus Rift. People may have been, you know, you make, might have made fun of someone for having those goggles on and those, those handle paddles doing the VR. But these are starting to get some real business use cases. In fact, Mario, Mario Herrick, he's a chief information officer at XBO Logistics. He said that less than truckload is the latest area of their business to benefit from bringing this virtual experience into their physical operations. They have big plans for this. They don't plan to just use it for LTL and for crosstalk. They're saying it can even be used in sales applications and going as far as diversity and inclusion training. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the initial uh, outroll or rolling of the VR pilot complete, uh, they've identified a bunch of potential thing. And they, I think it's fairly obvious to say this is this is brilliant, but it's it's an obvious type of thing. Higher productivity, f- uh, lower waste, uh, fewer errors, obviously, on the dock with this type of training for the LTL division we're talking about here. And enhanced safety and efficiency are out there. And, you know, there's better knowledgeable and retention, you know, knowledge retention uh, and you get that muscle memory as well, Dooner. You know, I can I can see this. This is very cool. I'd love to have this back in the day when I was training people on the LTL dock. You know, and that, you, this is a little bit early on into it, but, you know, you have to wonder that five, 10 years in business from now is something like an Oculus just going to be something standard that we have in business, especially with so many things being virtual. And me thinking as a content producer, some of the possibilities we could even do a show like this with the audience right in front of us in, in VR, that would be so cool. So I think it's cool that we're actually seeing business use cases because those are what drive innovation. We'll even, we'll hear even more about that kind of innovation that's driven by, by NASA when Mark Weiss comes on, but really cool stuff. Michael Vincent, one of the things we heard about and you may have experienced over, over uh, Christmas time, I certainly did was ship However, a new report says that it was reverted, and it's not such a bad holiday season after all. That's right, our own Mark Solomon, he says the, har- the holiday parcel delivery season may not have come off perfectly, but the ship again that many feared, it did not materialize. He said much of that was due to the performance of parcel carriers. They did a bang-up job over the holiday season. Well, at least most of them did. Uh, let's look at some of these numbers. UPS, they delivered, what, 96.7% of its parcels on time during that five-week cycle that was tracked by ShipMatrix, FedEx clocking in 95.1. Um, this one shocked me, though. They said USPS was 93.2%, which I have a hard time believing because, Michael, every package that I had that was sent by USPS from, like, mid-November onward was delayed and the tracking was all messed up, too. Yeah, that, that that was my experience, too. That's what I was going to bring up is the tracking was absolutely atrocious, especially with USPS. Everything else went smoothly, faster than expected. Uh, sometimes by a week. So yeah, I think they did a bang up job, but yeah, that, that confuses me too. That a 93.2, I thought it would have been lower (laughs) to tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, that's no surprise. The 2020 peak was the busiest on record as more than 3 billion parcels were delivered. According to ship matrix data, e-commerce fulfillment and delivery activity had been elevated since March because of that COVID-19 pandemic. We all remember when prime deliveries were delayed and you could no longer expect them in two days. Yes, I mean the 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 disaster. The federal the disaster wasn't also could be attributed to customers' tolerance of potential shipping, right? And problems due to the pandemic. A survey of eleven hundred U.S. consumers published Tuesday by Convey, a, a last mile technology vendor, found that eighty percent were willing to give retailers more time to deliver items during the holiday, and seventy six tempered their expectations for flawless on time deliveries due to the extraordinary circumstances. So they got a good job. They did a good job of getting the information out there and lowering those expectations, even though it did come out pretty good. 
good. And about 88% of those residents or respondents said that their shopping experiences in the holiday season were as good or better than 2019, dude. Surprising, but you know what? They had to get all hands on deck, and it's something that you know we we were all aware was going to happen, right? We knew the ship again was going to happen. They prepared for it. Maybe we should get some logistics people, you know, to defend the capital. You know, get being prepared for things that you know are going to happen, Michael Vincent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the shocking part of that is that <laughs> that people actually got in. I mean, <laughs> well, to me, well, here, I don't know. But, and, and what may be a cautionary tale for carriers? Forty six percent of the respondents held the carriers responsible for late deliveries. This is good for retailers, though, because only 19% blamed the retailer. At, at the same time, 47% said that a bad shipping experience would make it unlikely to buy from that retailer again. So even though they don't blame you directly, they blame you indirectly for picking that carrier in the first place, even if the survey doesn't show that, because I would say that 47% indicates that they're still blaming you, Michael Vincent. Yeah, absolutely. They're still blaming you because you picked that partner and not and not that carrier. So I I, I don't know, but I, don't, I think that number's high. Well, I mean, would you seriously, under those circumstances, have dumped somebody because they were a couple days late? No, I, I don't think so. But you know, people are really not that rational. I think twenty twenty one has borne that out. Yeah, that's true. What yeah, last it? Wednesday was was uh, was an example of that. You guys out there in the comments, did you experience, or Michael Vincent yourself, did you experience any, uh, did you miss Christmas presents, super long delays? I had a couple yeah. things arrive late, but again, it was, uh, it was sort of to be expected and it was my fault. I knew I was ordering a little bit late. Yeah, no, to our surprise, uh, we ordered a couple things late due to different circumstances, but actually surprisingly, the stuff came that was supposed to not be here till like January 1st. It actually got here before Christmas. So we had a very pleasant surprises on the good side. Yeah, you know, it was like during that, during the uh, the midst of the spring pandemic when Prime had really suffered. I remember they would be very proactive in sending you an email being like, your shipment's not going to come from a week. And then your tracking would come through and it would still be arriving the next day a lot of times. So uh, I think that was just uh, Amazon setting expectations. And, you know, a smart move, a smart move is that survey also bared out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100 uh, percent. It was, it, was, it was smooth. It was smooth. So let's see what, uh, you know. 2021 brings us in the first quarter, right? Are things going to be crazy or 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 uh, pretty smooth? I don't uh, know. Well, let's talk to our own proud president, George Abernathy. He's joining us to help us kick off Wednesday. I'm super excited to talk to him. He'll set the table for what's in store on Freightways. George, thank you so much for joining us on the air today on What the Truck. Hey, guys. How are you? It's good to see you, too. I mean, it's usually closer <laughs> in. I feel so good just to see my boys today. How are you? <laughs> You're doing great, George. How are you doing, man? And now he's like a sandwich. I'm doing good. I'm doing- Mikey, sorry, yeah. dude. Sorry. I, that's all I'm going to say, okay? I, I mean, it. it's just, it, it was the epitome of, of saving. How he gets those kids up to play at that level. Every game, I have no idea. I knew it was going to be a challenge. There's no way Ohio State was going to get raised to the rise to the level that they did against Clemson two weeks ago. Well, now, I, get, I, got a, I got a question for you, Vincent. Did you keep the game on the yeah. whole time, or did you pull a Mark Wahlberg during the uh, Pats Atlanta game and walk out during halftime? No, dude, I'm, I'm a fan. It doesn't matter <laughs> if they win or lose. I'm still a fan. I'm watching, and I'm a fan of football, so I'm watching football anyways. And Saban, I don't. I'm not one of these. I don't hate Alabama because I'm not in the SEC. I find it very interesting to study and watch everything that they do because, dude, you cannot deny they're they're incredibly good. So you got to watch. Well, George, what do you think? We're on Wednesdays now. What the truck has expanded to three days a week. What do you think? Well, I think you guys uh, said it. It's what the public's been asking for. And uh, I, I really should say I'm honored 
to be the first guest on Wednesday. Um, it, you know, did seriously the um, the scope of what you guys do is so consistent with what FreightWaves does, right? I mean, any place that our industry has a need for a light to be shined in there, some transparency, we've gone in there, right? On the data business, the media business, the event business, uh, the TV business, those places all were you know, maybe not outwardly begging for a company to, to do what we've been able to do. And what you guys have been able to do, you know, bringing dialogue um, in a way that is, you know, really tough to accomplish. I mean, just look at the folks I mean, as the leadoff hitter today. You know, I'm the I'm the utility player in this lineup with the, the, the people that are, are in the lineup today. You guys make not only those kind of folks want to talk to us, but you make it entertaining and watchable. And, and that isn't really easy to do. Now, the downside, there is one downside to a Wednesday, more what the truck. I know it's going to increase the budget for Dooner's wardrobe. <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with that, okay? I'm you know, the one who fronts one, that bill. I haven't yeah, ever, I've never sent yet. I've never sent a wardrobe expense, but if you're open to that, George, I will uh, I will have that conversation <laughs> offline with you. Um, George, can, that, that's this show, and this show is great, but can you sum up 2020 for FreightWaves? Uh, challenging year, but a year of pivot, and then eventually being uh, maybe a boonful year at FreightWaves, and I know that we have a lot of exciting things in store for 2021. Well, you really, you really said it well. Um, the, you know, I remember uh, the dude, I remember Michael coming back from a trade show in Atlanta on – I believe it was the 11th or so of uh, maybe maybe the 9th of, of March. And by the end of that week, we um, left the office. And, and the only folks that have been working there, and kudos to the TV team who have been so stalwart in you know continuing to produce the quality of content, not only through FreightWaves TV, but also through our virtual events. But the, you know, the company had to pivot. We, we need to serve customers. And Working from home um, is something that I'm genuinely proud of what our team's been able to accomplish. But if you really think about, and I, you know, I mentioned the SaaS business, I mentioned the media, the events. Uh, Dooner, you, you talked about pivoting, a key differentiator for FreightWaves. One of the things that we've done differently in my over three years here has been the way that our events were put on. Craig Fuller and you guys and I, I mean, we've gone to events for a long time that really needed help. And Freight Waves made our events, our in-person events, must attend. And that was taken away from us. We pivoted. And now the cadence of at least one, if not more than one a month of the events be, you know, targeting different verticals and, and markets, you know, again, bringing the transparency, bringing the dialogue that, you know, you guys, you guys are, you know, key and critical to, to being in all of those. And I, I just really think that um, what, what we did in 2020 was delivering on all the promises that Freightways brought to the marketplace earlier. 
Amen. Well said, George. And, and you know, Thanks. we've got a, it, it's really the, the, the talent and the brain trust, right? It, we've been able to attract the right people. And you always put it this way, that intellectual curiosity is something you can't teach somebody. And it's one of those, it, it's integral to a successful person, especially in, in really any, any startup and, and nascent technology or company. But here at FreightWaves, it's it's absolutely essential. And and one of the things that I saw the other day while I'm I'm, I'm remote working was in addition to uh, our advisory staff. You want to talk about that because I think it's an excellent excellent addition. Yeah, it's a great point. And you know, um, I read FreightWaves.com every day. Have for way more than the three plus years that I work here. I watch. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to be the first person on a, on, on Wednesday as a guest. Because if I'm not your number one fan, I don't know who is. Uh, I'll arm wrestle him to see who is. But in reading FreightWaves.com every day and watching our content, I sound and am smarter by doing so. And 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 uh, you know we continue, uh, Michael, to have that ecosystem drive people to want to become part of it, and so. Uh, to your question, uh, Dr. Matt Waller, the dean of the Walton College of Business down at the University of Arkansas, uh, Distinguished Service Award winner at CSEMP. I'd use up all my time and more if I went down Matt's entire resume, but Dr. Waller has joined FreightWaves as an advisor. And as our scope in the SaaS business and sonar and uh, in research, in passport, as we've expanded into more markets, more verticals, more types of geographies, bringing on people like Matt, who have you know deep domain expertise in the supply chain, whether it be domestic, whether it be you know Matt spent a lot of time over in China. Um, he's worked with dozens and dozens of shippers. Having Matt as part of the team, you know. I just got smarter by Matt, my Matt Waller becoming part of uh, part of us. So, you know, that that serves us really well as a company. And to your point, you know, that intellectual curiosity. I like I like having I like having meetings with Matt because every time I, I walk out of that, I'm smarter. So it, it serves it serves everybody who's around us. Uh, really well. Well, George, I look at our analytics all the time too. And, you know, I, I sort of think it from the marketing perspective, from a producer's perspective, and we do an amazing job with, with the Gen X numbers, with the millennial numbers, which I I'm very proud of. We've increased um, the percentage of female listeners and viewers of the show. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was like 9% at this time last year. It's over 25% now, but one yeah. area I'd love to hit is just those Gen Z college students and have some ambassadorship programs and get kids uh, who want to learn more about freight and more about media, more involved in what the Freightways brand does. And I think that Dean Matt Waller is a great step towards that. We're almost out of time with you. And I would be remiss to not ask you really quick. All right, Freightways doesn't work out. You got to go work at that Disney theme park. Who are you, George? Well, you know, I put a lot of thought into this. And I, when you guys aren't in the office back when we were allowed to, to go in, I would spin the wheel and, you know, I would work <laughs> so that I'd get this question. And I'd answer a few of them. So I got to say, if there's some way for, and I think Vincent will appreciate this, if you could take Grumpy and Dopey and morph them, it's entirely possible you might come on to that. But I think in reality, honest to God, Goofy is my guy. <laughs> Dogs rule the world. He can talk. He can drive. And he's a dog. So I'm, pr I'm proud. I would pr be proud to take on 
take on Goofy, and it's and no, Vincent, it's not Scrooge McDuck. Sorry, I, I no, know. Well, George, I want to say thank you, thank you so much for having me. You guys got quite the lineup. I'm getting out of the way. What the truck rocks. Thanks, boys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, George. Take Thanks, care. George. And just for the record, if I was casting, I'd bring you in for uh, Ludwig von Drake. Fantastic. Definitely. That was a good one. Thank, thanks again, George. Our, our, you know, our next guest that we're going to talk to, because this is an action-packed show, we got to keep it moving. Our next guest we're going to talk to is Thomas Healy. He's the CEO of Hylion. We've had him on this show a couple times, like I mentioned. We had that really awesome Q&A that got all these organic questions from Twitter flowing in at our virtual event a couple of months ago. They just had a few yeah. huge announcements. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the air today on our first Wednesday show on What the Truck. Hey guys, thanks for having us on and uh, congrats to an awesome 2021 kickoff here. Looking forward to, to getting a chance to, to share a little about those uh, those new exciting announcements. New CFO announced yesterday, redemption of uh, $142 million in warrants a couple of weeks ago. So uh, 2021's off to an awesome start. Now, Thomas, for those of you who aren't familiar with how warrants work, what what, what are warrants? What is the $142 million and, and what are you going to do with it? Yeah, so when we did the SPAC transaction, it was set up where uh, the initial investors in the SPAC actually had warrants associated with their, their investment as well. And so uh, it's, it's very common for SPACs. I mean, almost I think every SPAC has warrants associated with them. The unique thing is, is that uh, very few SPACs have actually been able to go forward and actually redeem their warrants. There's some thresholds that you need to meet. It's um, you know, what's, where your share price performance is at. And so Hylion was able to meet those thresholds uh, very early on, right out of the gate. And that gave us the ability to, to call those warrants. And then uh, that actually now takes us and we're actually trading under one uh, publicly traded ticker symbol now versus before we had the main HYLN ticker as well as a warrants ticker symbol. Uh, and so we actually kind of had two stocks we were trading under versus now we've redeemed those warrants. Those have been converted into Hylion stock. And now it's just being traded as HYLN. Excellent. Thanks for that uh, explanation, Thomas. First of all, I just want to say you got a little Taco Bell on your shirt there. Just, just. <laughs> you know, I was, my, uh, I was betting with the team before this. It was like, all right, so is Taco Bell going to come up in this discussion? And are we going to talk about the Mexican pizza being, you know, taken away again? And uh, I think know, a I Taco Bell reference will. Yeah, I think I a Taco Bell reference will happen every in time. case. You know, uh, Taco Bell's watching and they're looking for a new spokesman. You know, figured that you know, yeah. try to get my name out there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do our best to get you uh, on there. Yo quiero, right? <clears throat> so so Sher so uh Sherry Baker, talk about talk to us a little bit about Sherry Baker. Great addition to the team over there. Who's she replacing and and what are we looking forward to here at, at Highland with Sherry? So Greg Vandeveer has been our CFO for the last, I think, close to four years at Hylion and has really taken us uh, through this journey. But uh, he's come to a point in his career that he's decided to retire. And uh, and so with that, you know, we, we started a search for bringing in a new CFO. And um, Sherry's a, a fantastic add to the team. She's going to be starting here in about a month. But if you look at her background, she's currently a, a CFO of a publicly traded company. Before that, she was in the finance team at Dean Foods, which, as you guys know, I mean, Dean operates a ton of vehicles. Uh, and then before that, she was at Frito-Lay, which is you know, obviously another uh, large fleet in the organization. And, and PepsiCo has been uh, you know, one of the thought leaders behind natural gas and CNG. And then you, know, you look at Dean Foods, it's all about moving uh, milk products around, right? That kind of gets you exposed to that RNG space as well. So Sherry's got a fantastic background for what we're doing and, uh, you know, looking forward to having her join here in, in a few weeks. 
Well, now that you have that bean counter there, right? You got this brand new bean counter. You've got that 142 million cash. Are things like, are you pulling ahead the uh, the ERX hyper truck? What's going on there? What are you, you going to be investing in this year? Any thoughts on M&A as well to help build out the company? So we put out a press release a couple of weeks ago about the, re- the kind of success of the redemption of warrants. And we, we started hinting at that some a little bit. I think M&A is, is definitely something we're exploring, right? We're, we see this as a way where we can grow highly on organically, but we can also take advantage of inorganic growth, right? There's a lot of great companies out there, whether it's in the existing space we're in to accelerate and you know, help improve the hyper truck, the hybrid product, or to expand into other spaces. And you know, we're kind of exploring it all right now. And um, obviously, the main focus of the organization is getting the, the hybrid and hyper truck products commercialized, getting hybrid shipped out at higher volumes. We had a strong closeout to 2020. Um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of positive indications for 2021 right now. Um, and the hyper truck developments moving forward. We're having great discussions with fleets, with the OEMs. And you know, we're kind of in this phase where we're really trying to figure out all those steps needed to get this product out and into the market and into customers' hands. Because that's what's going to make highly unsuccessful. But, uh, you know, the M&A side is definitely something we're exploring as well. Very cool. You know, I was reading about the, the you know, the ERX, the Hypertruck. The numbers on that thing are, are, are tremendous. What is it, 1,300 mile range, I think it is, or something like that? And, and uh, on, a, on a charge in 10 minutes to, to refuel or something like that? And just uh, hauling 80,000 pounds. Those are the specs, right? That's correct. And it really comes down to, you know, what we're doing is we're coupling the benefits of electrification with the benefits of natural gas, and we're able to eliminate a lot of the downsides that are associated with each one. So as you look at the normal BEV truck, uh, the, the, a lot of the concerns comes into how am I going to refuel this? How am I going to get the range I need to move cargo from point A to point B? What we're doing with the hyper truck is we're saying, hey, you're getting all the benefits of electric, the emission savings, the, um, the really you know, high performing vehicle. But your range is actually coming from the natural gas and your refueling time is very similar to diesel. So it's like this culmination of all, the best of both worlds being brought it, brought together into just one vehicle. Now, Tubbs, I got to tell you, I, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Hylion. I'm I'm betting on Hylion. I think you guys are going to do an amazing an amazing job. A lot of retail investors now, and there's there's some people that are rooting against the space. Hylion, 26 percent of shares as of December held by Schwartz. What do you have to say to those type of investors? Um, because I know you want to kick their butt, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of hype going on in the industry right now. We're seeing more and more companies starting to go public, right? I think. Uh, Proterra just announced, you know, a couple of days ago that they're going to be uh, doing this back and going public as well. So I think people are wondering, you know, who are going to be the winners in this space, right? Because there's there's a lot of new players coming into the market, and you know, our focus on it is let's stay heads down, let's go execute, let's get the products out there, let's make sure we got raving fans in the fleets, and make sure we're we're kind of checking the boxes on what they need out of the product, and that's what's going to win out, right? I think you know is. The trucking, uh, the trucking industry wants to just have products that perform really well, and you know that's what we're focused on on delivering here. And so I think it, the next couple of years are going to be fascinating, though. I think there, uh, you know, there will be some companies that really rise to the occasion, and then there'll be some that that aren't successful. And I think that's where we're seeing, you know, people are are shorting some of these facts that are coming to market in the electrification space. But you know, we're doing our best to to go execute on it and uh, and stay heads down and make it happen. Excellent. You know, you know what I'm looking forward to, Thomas, and and I'm looking forward to get getting a, one of these a hyper truck, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drag race uh, Dooner on his on his vest because zero to sixty in twenty seconds. I, I think you're gonna beat that. I think you can get that down to eighteen, maybe maybe seventeen and a half. 
I think we're going to have problems with the tires uh, coming apart because I don't think <laughs> yeah. Class A trucks are supposed to accelerate that fast. <laughs> I, I love the I love the video of smoking the tires. Right, that that's that's pretty that's pretty sweet. Smoking the tires with a Class Eight vehicle. Are, are there any? So we got any deals uh, uh, to announce here? Uh, you know, maybe give us a scoop here or to look out for. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the things that uh, we had indicated in our last earnings call is we are working on putting together that initial set of fleets that are going to be the rollout of the Hypertruck product, right? The first ones that are going to be running it. And so we're working on putting that together. And that is something we'll be coming to the market and, and letting uh, people know who those initial runners of the Hypertruck are going to be. Uh, but at this stage, we haven't publicly announced it yet. So um, so stay tuned. You know, A lot of great stuff is, is in the works on that end, but we're just not ready yet to actually come forward and announce. Well, Thomas, people gotcha. who want to Thomas, people who want to put their ear to uh, Hylion's train track and, and, you know, look out for those deals and what announcements and all the exciting things going on on your side of the world. Where should we send them to? Yeah. So Hylion.com. We're keeping the updates, press releases there. Uh, we'll also have an earnings call here uh, in February. So, you know, also stay tuned for that. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, we got to get you guys down here to Austin once, you know, you're able to travel again and we'll uh, we'll actually do a show out of the hyper truck and let you guys actually drive it. We'll go do some burnouts and uh, let you experience it firsthand. By the way, did, did you hear what XBO? I just we in the top of the show we were mentioning what XBO was doing with Oculus in terms of doing training in LTL. I wonder if you know Hylion at some point could do the Oculus to train people in a, in assemblage or, or all sorts of things. I'm excited about those possibilities. I don't know if you are. It's really exciting, and um, you know, a little tangential here, but like when you actually get drivers in the truck and let them drive it. The, the feedback is pretty awesome. We had we had someone drive it. But he's a guy that's been in the industry for a bunch of years, uh, worked at a lot of the, the large players in the space. And he, he drove in the hyper truck. And his comment to me was like, he walked out of the truck and he's just like, this is going to change trucking. You get behind the wheel of an electric truck. It's a totally different driving experience in a positive way. I don't know if either of you have driven a Tesla or an electric car before, but it, it's just, it's a much superior driving experience. And, you know, trucking's tough, right? You go in zero to 15 miles an hour and you're shifting through six gears before you even get to 15. That's, you know, that's a tough driving experience versus, you know, an electric truck. It's just smooth. You've got instant torque, instant power. It's going to change the game of uh, how, you know, what we see in trucks today. Well, Thomas, thank you very much. And Michael and I will definitely take you up on that invitation as soon as uh, oh, yeah. things clear up to travel. We appreciate your time today. Good deal. Thanks for having me on. Thank Happy you. 2021. Take care. It's time to say Thanks, thank you. Michael, it's time to say thank you to our sponsor, Zembles. And the frustration of chasing dead leads and start using Zembles data. Zembles will get you the companies that are spending on trucking and logistics, right? So you know where to focus your selling. Go to start.zembles.com slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. You ready to take off? After the show. You ready to reach for the skies? You ready to reach for the stars? All right, let's bring Mark on. Mark Weiss, he's the manager of Deep Space Logistics over at NASA Good friend of the show. I met him just, a, we met him just about a year ago, right? At Air Cargo Nashville, last live right. event we were at. Excited to have him on here too and see what's going on at NASA in 2021. Mark, thanks for joining us on the air. Hey, thanks for having me and congrats for three days a week, guys. What a what a big jump you've made in this pandemic world. That's what it's all about. <laughs> you know, just like NASA, <laughs> we've always got to push limits. And I don't know if you noticed the shirt I've got on. I got the Apollo 13 shirt. I like that. So, so underneath here, I've got a what the truck shirt on too, oh. uh, underneath the NASA meatball. So. <laughs> Excellent. It's, Excellent. It's, so you're a meatball guy, warmer meatball. You're, you're a meatball guy, right? 
I, I like the worm. I'm very excited about seeing the worm come back. The nostalgia there is is really neat. So, but I mean, we've got one of the most recognizable brands across the world. So we got to be able to to run with what works. And I don't think getting rid of the meatball is going to work either. So we're going to live with both of them. And I think that's great. I absolutely love that shuttle that's behind you too. That uh, that that model. It looks really really fancy. So that is a Lego one, and I know you you've. Uh, <laughs> oh delved into that a little bit with the kids. So that's one of the ones that is a hold off from my boys. Now, when we were working on that stuff, they're, they're 16 and 14 now. So they're not doing it as much, but that's one of the ones we held on to from probably a decade ago. Well, when we were at Air Cargo Nashville a year ago, I first learned about your Gateway Artemis program. That's what you were keynoting and talking about. Here we are a year later, and you just announced, right, a new partnership with JAXA. That's uh, Japan's Aerospace Exploration Agency. What's that all about? Yeah, so JAXA has been a, a longstanding partner with the International Space Station. Um, and that's what's so great about what NASA has been able to do is to really bridge cultures across the world and work together. So on the space station today, a couple hundred miles up from Earth, JAXA has a big laboratory that gets a lot of runtime. There's, a, there's an ejector in there to push out CubeSats that has been one of the places to launch CubeSats. And they're partnering with us again here on Gateway and Artemis. So for, they're bringing different life support systems for future habitation capabilities. They're bringing some battery technology for some of the systems we'll have up there. And then they're hoping to bring logistics towards the end of the decade. They want to take the logistics that they've been doing and delivering to the space station and build on that, evolve that technology and bring it out to the moon. Well, it's crazy to think. And yeah. Michael, I, uh, this hasn't happened in my lifetime. It may have happened in yours. The last time we went to the moon was, what, 1972. There's only been 12 Americans up there. I imagine that, you know, my parents back in the day in 1969 or 1972 would definitely have thought we would have had we would have been there much more often, probably had bases up there by now. And, uh, you know, it's taken it's taken quite a bit of time to get there. But it's awesome to see finally things finally start moving through that pipeline. It, it really is. And, you know, we had a huge investment from the, you know, from the taxpayer dollars. We're upwards of 4% of the of the national budget back then in the 60s to build the infrastructure and to think at all the things they had to build then. I mean, they had to build the space centers, build all the buildings, put all the, the groundwork in place to help us get moving. And we had a big, you know, we had a big push as to why we were doing this, trying to represent freedom and our democracy versus other cultures across the world. We got to the moon and then realized we couldn't sustain that rate of that burn rate of, of funding. So we focused more close to home and focused on on building on the technologies in low Earth orbit and have pretty much perfected that. The, the supply chain now to get to low Earth orbit, as you've seen this past year, we're launching our own astronauts on commercial crew. We're, we're seeing routine cargo supply ships to, to low Earth orbit, and we're seeing a return of the launch market owned by the U.S. We've got over 50 launches happening this year from the Kennedy Space Center. That's like one a week. I mean, we have seen it just amplified growth in this in this sector. So it's time to now go back, take all we've learned and push on to the moon and use that to spur technology, spur innovation across industry. It's really awesome to see the excitement back in the space program, being a kid, watching the things happen and stuff. It, w it was amazing. And just the, you know, the, the, the dreams of space and that inspiration of what is out there and that exploration are, are, are amazing. To They're great motivations and they, they create so much good interest and in, in dreams and, and moving forward. And you've got curiosity that is uh, now the rover celebrating over what, 3000 days or is it sols or days? 3,000. I think it's days for us, but it's, you know, and counted in Mars and Sol's. Yeah, and Sol's. So it's got that and some great pictures, the panorama picture there. 
Um, talk about that. You know, the, the pictures that come back from there and and how you guys have been been able to maintain the cover up of all the alien stuff like the femur <laughs> that you saw there. There's obviously a bone there uh, and, and different things. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome to see the technology you know this, this is the this is the robotic end right going out to mars you know we've been able to to really drive technology out there and now we need to bring that closer to home and and take humans with us so it's amazing to see what we start to learn and what we can deduce from all these images and try to understand more about that planet and how maybe you know did life exist on that planet one day and what happened in the environment and how can we learn from that to make sure we protect the earth, you know, this beautiful planet we live on. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, Mark, because I'm watching, I'm looking at these photographs and I, and I laugh a little bit about these things like, you know, the mysterious face that we saw for so many years and you get a close up of it. And some of those pictures, you can really see the imagination take off like the, the, the one that looks like a human femur and stuff like that. And some of those pictures, I think it's interesting that, you know, you look at them and you think they're huge and they're looking at like one inch or five millimeters. And you think it's this massive object. Uh, guys, it's hold on. A, a, guy, guys, a couple astronauts have, have come here. A couple of young men who've been inspired by NASA oh. <laughs> have come here in their astro. Come over here, Sebastian. Right over here. Both here. I love it. Say say hi to NASA, boys. Say hi. Hi. What's hi. up, guys? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. What's happening? That's, That's awesome. a cool thing. This, he helped build them. This is the Artemis generation. <laughs> there you. it this is. This is the Artemis generation. <laughs> this is, you know, Michael talked about the intellectual curiosity and how important that is, that freight waves, how mm. important that is to us, right? What you just saw come on screen, that's the intellectual curiosity. The things that they're dreaming, we need to go turn into reality, and we can. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's what, what's new and exciting? Like, for example, SpaceX, they, they're, they have, they're launching up more rockets than we're even doing virtual events over here. I think they have, like, what, 21 scheduled just for this year or 34? SpaceX launches are scheduled in 21. 21 is the year. 34 is the number of launches. I mean, that partnership has to be working out pretty well. It's working very well. And that's a great example of where NASA invested in a startup company. You know, it was the early 2000s when, when Elon had the vision of, of starting that company and started to do things with some private investment. And NASA made the, the decision in the early 2000s to go after commercial cargo and to kind of incubate more technology. So it wasn't government-owned systems. It was helping invest in commercial industry where they saw a business case beyond just the government as the customer. And you're seeing Elon now you know, have the return on investment for that for himself and obviously paying that forward to other industries also. And we're having the return on investment because we're dropping the cost to launch tremendously, which then opens the door for us to do more as we build out that infrastructure of transportation to space. Mark, before we let you go, one question I did have in the comments, they said, what does a man, what is your day to day? What is like a manager of deep space logistics do? So, so right now we are focused very much on trying to understand the requirements of what our spaceship will look like when we go send cargo out there to prepare for landing the first woman and the next man on the moon. So we are constantly looking at how we will integrate these systems on orbit, what specific you know, systems we'll need, which ones we can specify, which ones we can pull back and allow commercial innovation to make sure when we bring a supply ship, it's got the longevity. It's it's going to have the reliability we need. You know, NASA NASA as a government agency, we can't buy insurance. We're kind of that that broker. You know, and we're trying to make sure we can have the right analogy with your language. We're a broker in between the science experiments and the payloads and the commercial industry pri providing the transportation system. So we are the insurance because the government can't go buy private insurance. 
So my team is setting requirements in place, telling SpaceX what they're going to have to go put together. And then we are the insurance, the mission assurance, we call it, where we go make sure we're digging in and make sure all the testing we do ahead of time and the anomalies and the things that go wrong along the way, like in Apollo 13, we've, we've pushed the envelope in all the different areas so we can make sure we're successful when it's time to launch that mission. Wow, Mark. Well, hey, thank you for launching our mission, which was What the Truck on Wednesdays. We are honored to have you on the air with us today. Congrats, guys. Always proud to be a part of you. I appreciate you what you do to help spread our message. Go to NASA.gov. Follow us. Absolutely. Go over to NASA.gov. Thank you so much. Now, talk about someone, you know, Pioneers. This is a show about Pioneers, right? We had Thomas Healy with Hylian. We had we had NASA on. And now we have Steve Casey, the chairman and CEO of Revolution LLC, the grandfather of social media, at least at least mainstream social media. I know there was IRC before there was AOL. But AOL trained a lot of us, especially 80s and 90s kids who got on the Internet. Uh, young Gen X, uh, older millennials all learned on AOL and AIM about communities and how social media works. We're at a big inflection point. Let's uh, hear what Steve has to say about all of that. Should we, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, very, very interesting. Joining us now, it's Steve Case. He's the chairman and CEO of Revolution LLC. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today on the air on What the Truck. Great to be with you. Now, Steve, you, um, geez, AOL, you used to be the chairman and CEO of AOL. Uh, one of the most formative products I think I've ever used. It taught me the internet. It taught me social media. And when I think about it, I'm reflective upon just the impact that AOL has had. I didn't meet my wife on AOL, but I did meet her on social media. I got my job via social media. My career now is basically on the internet as an internet personality. Um, I don't think I've ever talked to someone before who has just had such a lasting impact. And I can remember all the way back in the day, like before memes existed, seeing like ASCII memes about, about you, Steve Case, back on your AOL platform. Wow, what an amazing journey you've had. Well, thank you. It's, it, it has been a great journey. Now, actually, 35 years ago, we started the company. Uh, and at the time, believe it or not, only 3% of people were online. And those 3% were online an average of one hour a week. And we obviously believed in the idea. The internet wanted to get America online, wanted to get the world online. But even I, you know, quite an uh, evangelist of the idea of, of the online medium, never would imagine that 35 years later, we'd be essentially living our lives so much on the internet, indeed, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, you know, working in many cases remotely. So it, it's been a it's been a quite a quite a journey from an idea that most people didn't think would ever take off to now having the internet playing such a profound role in everybody's lives. Yeah, so I can tell my mom that I told her so. I remember, like in the '90s, she would yell at me about tying up the phone lines connecting via dial-up to AOL, and you're like, this will be very important later on. In life, mom, and it, it turned out. There you go. There you go. In those early days, you had to dial up, obviously, via the phone line. So it cost more money, and so it was a little more expensive to be online. That was one of the challenges we had to deal with. Uh, but also, nobody else could use the phone. Luckily, we were able to transition everything to broadband, Wi-Fi, mobile, a lot of different ways now, where you can be connected all the time, and your mom can still use her phone. So there you go. Well, you know, over the weekend, though, it does seem like we're at another inflection point in in the Internet and social media. We don't have to do commentary on that. But but where do you see the Internet going from here? Well, I, I think, it, as you say, it, it, because the Internet is now such a, a important part of everyday life, it, it gets more attention. And that includes from you know people in governments, not just in this country, but around the world. And the challenge is always going to be how do you strike the balance? So you get all the benefits or many of the benefits you can of of the internet by, while also kind of hedging some of the 
the risk. And I also think as we move into this next wave, the next 10 or 20 years of internet innovation, what I've called the internet's third wave, I think because it's going to impact healthcare and, and you know, food and agriculture, a lot of pretty important uh, aspects of our, our lives, there is going to be more of a, of a, of a role for government. You've got to get this right to make sure governments don't slow down innovation or, or stifle you know, a different uh, competition. Uh, but the, because the internet is now such an important part of our world, of course, uh, it's going to have more uh, more scrutiny, and 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 a lot much of that I think is appropriate. At all excellent points, and it's amazing how important the 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 internet has has become. Many people who are growing up right now, and uh, they don't realize what it came from. I mean, that you talk about that the average person was on uh, an hour a week. It was probably uh, once a week for an hour waiting for a page to download. If I remember how, how quick <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty slow. Back in the day. Uh, and, and there was nobody, I think, at that time, certainly not a user like myself, predicting that it would be this intricate and important in our lives and such a huge and incredibly important tool and powerful tool as it is. But, uh, you know, one of the things, can, can we get into Revolution LLC and, and, and what that's about and kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, it ties in a little bit. Part of my interest with AOL and the Internet was leveling the playing field in terms of people accessing information, education, commerce, lots of different things. You know, the focus more recently, the launch of Revolution's investment firm and particularly the launch of the Rise of the Rest as, a, as an investment strategy is we want to back entrepreneurs everywhere. Right now, most of the venture capital uh, that a lot of the startup companies uh, try to raise, most of that only goes to a few people in a few places. Last year, 75% of venture capital went to just three states, California, New York, and Massachusetts. So our strategy with Revolutions Rise of the Rest is to back entrepreneurs everywhere, including Freightwaves in Chattanooga, and we backed 150 other companies in 70 different cities. We're trying to level that playing field in terms of access to capital. So everybody who has an idea has a shot at building a company, a shot at the American dream. You also are able to create jobs and more, more opportunity all across the country, not just in a few places on the, on the coast. You know, pouring that foundation of the internet and social media, it didn't just train me, it trained a lot of founders, right? A lot of startup founders. And also, as you mentioned, because of the pandemic, so many of us are working remote now, which is changing hiring practices. And I have to imagine it's it's got to be making the, I, we're hearing about those, you know, the exoduses to, to Florida and to Texas. It's got to make the idea of democratizing and, and moving startups out of just Silicon Valley a much more palatable one than even a year ago. I think that's right. Obviously, the pandemic's had a lot of terrible, you know, consequences in terms of, you know, this country alone. Over three hundred thousand people have died, and there's obviously many other challenges. Millions of people have lost jobs, and, and so forth. I don't want to, you know, make light of that. It's really been a very difficult problem, and continues to be a very difficult problem. But I think there is a little bit of a silver lining, and you're hitting on it that the because of this the pandemic, because people, including those who were in places like Silicon Valley or New York City or other other big cities did decide, at least some of them, to relocate. They thought it would just be for a few weeks, turn out to be for a few months. For some of them, it's going to end up being for forever. Uh, and once they're there, they realize that they can continue to contribute if they want to stay working for their current company. Or perhaps in that place, like a Chattanooga, they discover a startup community that really is showing great momentum, and they decide it might be time to make a, make a move. So I think we'll see a shift in terms of where people decide to to live in the last 10 or 20 years, particularly if you wanted to you know, work in this tech sector, the innovation economy, a lot of people in different parts of the country felt like how much was happening there. They kind of had to be in Silicon Valley. Uh, and there are great things about Silicon Valley, but not everybody should feel like they have to be there. And I think this creates a new environment. I think we'll see more of this in the years to come. We'll see 
more people deciding where they want to live, where they want to raise their family, not living where they feel like they have to live. And that will result in more startups being created, more jobs being created. Uh, and, and that will drive, uh, hopefully, a more inclusive innovation economy. So we have less of this divide where a few people in a few places are doing really well. A lot of people in a lot of places are, are, are really feeling left behind. Michael, I'm very ha- I'm happy that you brought this, like, brought this up because he wrote an article about how COVID has changed the way that we support founders. And one of the things that you note in there is the impact that startups have on jobs, right? Since the start of the pandemic, 70,000 employees across 520 startups had been laid off. A lot of those people looking to rebuild and re-get back to work now. Yeah, I didn't really realize this until about a decade ago when I started working uh, on this. But if you look at the economy, everybody talks about like the business sector or the markets uh, or the economy in a more of a generic way. But there are really three parts to it. I mean, small businesses are very important. Obviously, we've seen the, the risk there in terms of restaurants and others really challenged because of the pandemic. And they account for a lot of jobs, but they don't as a whole sector combined necessarily create a lot of jobs. And also, surprisingly, big companies, the Fortune 500 companies as a sector don't create a lot of jobs. Some are growing, but some are, are, are declining. Most of the job creation comes not from existing companies, but from new companies, startups, not just tech startups, by the way, startups all across the, the map. So we need to be supporting these entrepreneurs, creating these companies everywhere if we want to be creating jobs everywhere. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to bring up, Steve, is, is uh, it, previously watching you, you watching you speak, you talk about the ancillary benefits to the communities at, at large from, from the startup and having a good uh, a startup innovative uh, community and foundation there. What are some of those, those, those really ancillary benefits to those different municipalities like Chattanooga that supports them very strong? And how can those, the, those local governments, et cetera, support this this type of activity and support those startups so they have that growth. Yeah, I think sometimes there is too much of a focus, maybe even a celebration on on the, on the tech sector and some of the the entrepreneurs in that in that sector, and they do play an important role. But as you're suggesting, there's a broader role that startups of all kinds are playing, uh, and the data is pretty compelling that for every startup job, there's five other jobs in the community. And I saw that firsthand when we were growing America Online AOL in the Washington, D.C. area. It's in Northern Virginia. Uh, we started with a couple dozen employees. and it was a few hundred. Then it was thousands of employees. At our peak, it was about 10,000 employees. As a result, around where, where our offices were, suddenly homes were being built and schools were being built and restaurants were opening. And there are all kinds of other things that were the spinoff benefits of that in the community. So I lived it. I saw it firsthand, which is why I'm so passionate about trying to create more jobs in more places. Chattanooga is a great example. And we see many other cities all around the country. They're starting to show real momentum in terms of what's happening in the in the startup sector. And everybody in that community, including the mayor, the governor, the big companies, the, the, the universities, everybody should be celebrating these entrepreneurs because it's not just the jobs they're creating directly. It's these broader jobs they're creating in the in the community. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, we always talk about creating jobs in America, bringing jobs to America, and startups are one of the, the are an amazing and great source of doing that. What are, what, what are, we are out of time, but what are your plans for, uh, for Revolution and for this year? Want to keep expanding. We do to keep traveling around and trying to understand what's happening in different parts of the country. We're backing a lot of entrepreneurs and we're trying to build a, these clusters all around the country, network them together. So it's not just what's happening in Chattanooga, but also what's happening in Memphis or Atlanta or New Orleans or Detroit or 
or Madison, Wisconsin, you know, in Denver, there are a lot of cities that we're, we're trying to not just help any city, but figure out ways to create that network effect across the cities, network the entrepreneurs we back to, you know, together, create a network of regional venture capitalists. I think together uh, we can do a lot. There's an African proverb I love. If you want to go quickly, you can go alone. If you want to go far, you must go together. We want to go far. So we're going to do that in partnership with lots of people all across the country and try to change the landscape, kind of change the face of, of entrepreneurship. Well, Steve, thank you for coming together with us on this Wednesday, this first Wednesday episode of What the Truck. We really appreciate your knowledge and insight. Thanks. Great to be with you. Go Freight Waves. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Well, you know, that was that was a great time. I think your Ohio State flag may have given away that we pre-recorded that after Monday's episode. Um <laughs> what's the opposite? What's the reverse of foreshadowing? Yeah. <laughs> what's the? Well, I guess bad prediction would be the reverse <laughs> of foreshadowing. Marie Hurst says, who, I don't know, I don't know. "Marie Hurst says, who needs a snazzy wardrobe when you've got that fantastic beard? Flattery will get you everywhere." Marie Hurst, you want to come on the show and talk? Uh, <laughs> DM me. All right, you know this was on Trucking Twitter. I put this out, and this is a, a hat, right? There's a hat that is being marketed, Michael Vincent. I don't know if you watched the video on this thing. But I, I can describe it to you, especially for the audio listeners. It's a trucker hat you put on your head. And when you're driving the truck, if you start nodding off, it flashes a light right in your eyes. It flashes a strobe light right in your eyes. Michael, this seems like a, a pretty awful idea, uh, especially at nighttime. Could cause a little bit of night blindness. Yeah, I think I don't, <laughs> if it starts uh, malfunctioning or starts going into strobe mode, it could be could be a little bit of an issue. The other part is I believe that there's research that shows that once you start your your head starts nodding, bobbing. You've been asleep for somewhere to between fifteen and twenty seconds before that occurs. So <laughs> it's yep. a little bit of a delayed thing, right? Yeah, your brain starts releasing those those sleep chemicals. It's something hard to fight through. I've been in that situation where I've had I've had to pull off the road. I mean, it, it can be kind of scary, especially if you're like, uh oh, I feel like I'm losing consciousness. Well, I asked trucking Twitter though. I asked the guys who actually drive the trucks if they thought this was a dumb hat or the dumbest hat. And uh, here's what some of them had to say. Brian, he said, I don't know. Looks so. Looks so interesting. It looks interesting enough. I would like to hear more and see more. So he's got an open mind to it. Kristen says, does it let you communicate with UFOs? I guess we could have asked uh, Mark Weiss that. <laughs> Brian. Brian, yeah, He would just cover up. He's not going to tell you. <laughs> Brian, we've asked him about aliens a couple times and there has been kind of like he had to get a cough drop the other time when we asked them. Oh, yeah. you know, that was Terry Verts that had to get the cough drop. <laughs> That's right. He conveniently uh, uh, dodges the question every time. Uh, Brian Bryce <laughs> says, uh, dumbest hat, trying to find ways to circumvent the correct answer, which is to pull over and sleep. Uh, Battle site zero marketing. Make those lights red, white, and blue. You've got yourself something because you'll think it's a cop behind you. Mac Lovin, I would. Uh, he said, I. I wonder if it would scare your ass into swerving wildly. Um uh, let's see. Michaela says, I think it's okay. Dwayne was says, yes and yes. Uh, Greg Fassbender, nope, pull over and sleep. Christian Scott, you don't need a hat if you're tired, pull over. Larry Sexton, I could have his, he said he could have his windows roll down in five degree weather listening to Slayer and he would fall asleep out at the wheel. I guess it would be rain and blood. Well, he's uh, counting sheep. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that's ever been able to keep me awake is caffeine and taking my shoes off. Driving without shoes on or socks on, for some reason, keeps me awake when I've had to do that type of stuff. But the best thing is just pull over, right? I think, Dooner, this this is not something we're going to see getting uh, getting uh, winning uh, any sharks on, on the shark tank is, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one, well, one crash. Well, it was the lights flashing in my eyes that made me crash. And uh, 
Well, CDL Mindset said he's got it all figured out. He says, what if you don't wear hats? Yeah, see, he's got that yeah, one. Yeah. There it is. Uh, it's John Sector, he says, stupid is F word. Uh, more uh, Tarking says, more invasion in the name of safety. I guess it would be kind of invasive if you didn't wear a hat and suddenly you had to wear a, a hat that flashes a strobe light. And uh, Team says, yeah. it's a dumbass trucker's hat. Pull over and sleep. It's not rocket scientists. All these guys are saying it. Truck drivers do not need another reason to push themselves harder than they already do. So uh, my vote is dumbest hat. What's yours? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Dumbest hat. It should be uh, a, a swift injection of caffeine and electrical shock. That would be. Then now you got some good. Yeah. Let's let's leave just someone. Let, let's leave people on a good note. Here's a heartwarming story. It is from yesterday's What the Truck newsletter. If you are not subscribed to the What the Truck newsletter, go to freightwaves.com/wtt. It comes out every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. It's free, just like everything out we else we do. And it's like the written version of of one of these shows. And one of the stories that we covered in there was about a a cat that was lost at a rest stop, right? And uh, I was, I had to bring my cat. I told you about this. I had to bring my cat from, uh, from Chattanooga to Boston with me. And within like an hour of driving, the cat took a crap inside of its cat carrier. So we had to pull over the side of the road, you know, and my fear was the cat's going to run off. This is going to be a, a huge nightmare. We were able to wrap it in a blanket and get it cleaned up enough to, uh, to make things work on uh, getting there. Fortunately, the cat also did it on the way back, but I had some experience, but this guy, this guy, this trucker, Matthew, he experienced my fear. He took his cat uh, out of his truck. It runs out of the cab. It goes off into the woods, Michael. He goes off in the woods. He has no idea where his cat is. He, then he, so he, yeah. he heartbroken. He's got to go make his delivery, right? He's got to go get his on time. So he takes off. Then he starts rooting. He starts picking up loads that take him through that truck stop. And for months, he's going through there. He's got a flashlight. He's walking through the woods. He's calling his cat's name. He's shaking a bag of tender vittles and nothing's happening. But for good reason, a good Samaritan, a good Samaritan, um, a few weeks after the cat was lost, she sees his cat. It's uh, it's malnourished. It's shivering. It's 13 degree Ohio weather, which I'm sure you know quite a bit about. Um, she, oh, yeah. she takes a cat. She picks it up. She brings it all the way on her road trip to Rochester, New York with her. Then the microchip is scanned. That's in the cat. Matthew is informed and he drives his truck up there and he's reunited with Ashes the cat. That is, uh, it's a great story. It's heartbreaking, it, you know, because you think about this cat out there and this guy searching for his cat, but hey, happy ending, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. If you have great stories like that, you have great heartwarming stories, cool tech, anything like that. T Dooner at FreightWaves.com. Always happy to take a lead from you guys. Friday on the show, we got Krenar Komani, CEO of Tive. We got Matt Silver, CEO and co-founder of Forger, Jeff Booth head of products at OpenDoc, and we have a country music artist. It's Jeremiah Craig. Last I saw him was at Wreaths Across America's virtual event. He played some sessions for there. Well, he's going to play a session for all of us on Friday's show during a play at Ford. Nice, nice. Can't wait to hear it. That's going to be exciting. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, also what's dropping today is a new long haul, long haul crime log. It's our new true crime show done by Clarissa Hawes, Noe Mahoney, and uh, Nate Tabak. Uh, go check that out. That's on Freightcast right now. It'll be up on its own feed soon, but look up Freightcast. That's where you can find every single Freightways podcast, including this one. If you just want the show, just look up What the Truck or download the Freightways TV app, which you can watch all of these shows on demand or go to FreightWaves.com slash podcast. That podcasts, that's where we hold all these things. You want that sweet shirt you see Michael Vincent wearing or the one I was wearing when I was interviewing Steve Case? FreightWaves. Go to swag.freightwaves.com. We got those up in the swag store. Want to connect with us? I'm on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That is D-O-O-N-E-R. Or find me on the LinkedIn. You can find him at Vincent the Dude on the Twitter or just look up Michael Vincent on there. Vincent, uh, anything you got left? Now you're working from home. Anything you're going to do with the rest of your day now? 
Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> still, there's a, there's a lot more work behind the scenes than just sitting here looking pretty. Yeah. Right? Cause we have two big virtual <laughs> events. We have two big virtual events coming up. Sales and marketing on the 28th of this month, the sales and marketing virtual event. That's going to be really exciting. Kevin Hill, uh, put that coffee down team doing a lot of the back end production behind that one. I think they're going to be hosting it as well. I know I have at least one session there with, uh, Toby Doey Hal from Morning Brew. Thank you last year. Super excited for it. And then Global Trade, the big zone freight, February 22nd to March 3rd. Live.freightwaves.com. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday edition of What the Truck.